Praise God. Open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. We started a series a couple weeks ago, and then we had the service last week with LaVon Chandler, and it wasn't an interruption at all. It was just an augment, augmentation of God's grace. But we're talking about the fivefold revelation of grace that was given to the Apostle Paul. He starts out really basically saying, I've got a secret. He said, it's been, there's a mystery that's hidden. It's been given to me. And now it's being revealed that the church might know about this. And it's the unsearchable riches of, of Christ. And it's grace. And we need to know more about this thing called grace. I think we've thought it's just kind of something that's just over there that, you know, that God does for us. And, and uh, that's good. But we haven't understood the power that's available to us through God's grace. It's his favor. How he extends his hand to us. It's like him extending his scepter to us for, uh, for removing the death penalty. But not only that, by empowering us to be who we are in him. In Ephesians chapter 3 is where Paul tells all about this, and we'll drop in on verse 8. We, we read about the whole chapter the first time looking at this, but we just want to just refresh our, our memories of what we're talking about and move on into this thing. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace, everybody say this grace, this grace was given me. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Everybody say, unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is rich? You believe he owns it all? You know, Paul talks about the fullness of the Godhead uh, being uh, just in, in Christ bodily, just in full, the, his fullness being in Christ, and that we then have access to that fullness, the unsearchable riches means that you could start searching and looking through. It would be like you know, opening the door to a treasure room and start looking through and you find more and more treasure. And the more you look, the more treasure you find. And if you keep looking, you keep finding more treasure. And you can never get finished searching for that treasure. Unsearchable riches. You can't even search that much. That's what we have through God's grace. And Paul says it's contained in this thing, this revelation of God's grace that was given to me. And so he goes on and, and um, verse 9, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this, ministry, of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in, in God who created all things. Verse 10, his intent was that now, everybody look at this, his intent was that now through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. He accomplished this in him. You know, when we are uncovering this, this mystery, the mystery that reveals all the unsearchable riches of Christ, we begin to see and experience what we have in Christ. And sometimes that's on a it's on a daily basis. You know, unsearchable means that you can't, you'll never end, end up completing your search. And the way I look at that is in my life, every day I face new challenges, new experiences. And God's grace is sufficient that in that particular instant, for me, God's grace is available. Those riches are there to help me in that situation. It's there to help Tim in his completely different situation or Gabe and what he's going through or you and whatever's happening there's God's uh, you know this multitude of his vast wealth and riches are there to help each one of us every day 
in whatever it is that we need. Not just yesterday or five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever. No, for every day. Thank God for his grace yesterday that helped me to get through yesterday. But thank God for increasing grace today. And his grace is sufficient for whatever I need today. And it's still, I'm not going to exhaust it. Tomorrow, there'll be more than enough tomorrow. And I don't have to worry about spending it all, you know, because then for the next day or the next week, the next month, the next year, however long it is before he comes, there'll be enough grace to not just for me to get along, just barely get along, just barely make it, but for me to walk in victory in him. Amen. Now, when you, when you understand that, it's better than having three wishes. <laughs> Remember that old thing? If you had three wishes, what would you wish for? Three more wishes. <laughs> you know, that's the first thing. No, it's, it's better than that because you don't have to wish. You have it. It's been imputed to you. It's been given to you. It's been put into you because you're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Say, grace is good. Grace is good. Amen. It's good stuff. Now, verse 10, Paul says, he calls this revelation the manifold wisdom of God. What is that? Manifold wisdom of God. Well, mechanics understand that there's manifolds on cars. What is that? You know, a manifold has all these different forms of where it lets the exhaust out or what. An exhaust manifold has different ports on it. Right, Danny Red? He knows about that. Uh, it means many different forms of God's wisdom. So that now through the church, the many different forms of God's wisdom can be seen, can be evidenced to the principalities, powers, to the rulers. And, and Satan can't understand how does this happen when I think I've got them down, when I think I've got them licked, when I think that I've done all that I can do to, to, uh, to get them where I want them, God works something else out. His many forms of wisdom, which comes with all his unsearchable riches that we have. You know, and verse 10 says his intent, God's intent is to make it known through the church, through you. God wants to show his many forms of wisdom through you. When you're going through difficulties and challenges, you know what? You can just say, okay, God, I thank you that you're going to show your many forms of wisdom. You're going to show how wise you are in solving this situation, and you're going to release your unsearchable riches to me, your grace to me in this situation. And then when you go to the doctor, the doctor says, I don't know. I can't understand this thing. I don't know what happened. I know what happened. God in his many forms of wisdom just changed the situation. He turned it around so that it would confound the minds of the wise. People feel bad. They're running on their way to the emergency room. They'll call, pray, we're on our way to the emergency room, blah, 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 blah. They've just been to their doctor. The doctor said, you know, go to the emergency room because this is happening. So we're praying. And everybody starts praying. And they get there and say, well, I don't know what it was. They said I had gas. <laughs> Or they don't know. It seems it's okay. Everything's all right now. I feel like such an idiot. Don't feel like that. You ought to jump up and say, praise God. God did it. He showed his many forms of wisdom. He showed his manifold wisdom, and he healed me on my way to the emergency room. Just let them confirm it. Amen. Well, if you're a born-again believer, then you're part of the church. You're part of this the body of Christ, and God wants this revelation to be seen in you, and he wants it to be seen through you. Amen. We've got a great responsibility. But do you know what this revelation is? See, that's our problem is the way that Satan keeps us fruitless or he keeps us bound is he keeps us from knowing all the riches that we have. We don't even know what we have. 
You know, we just think, well, I just barely get along. Thank God that he saved me. I remember when I was real little, my parents, they'd go, to, uh, there was a little church in Kent, Oklahoma. It's where they lived before they moved to Topeka. And they'd go back and visit every once in a while. And I remember the people there, and it was kind of a, it was a small church and it leaned more toward the holiness church whatever you know and so people would stand up and testify they could just barely had to hold on to the the back of the pew to get up i thank god that he saved me he picked me up out of the mire and the muck he set my feet on the solid rock christ jesus and i just hope that i can just barely make it in if god sees fit that i can that i'll make it to heaven i'm thinking i thought mama told me i was going to heaven (laughs) I don't barely make it in. Something I'm getting nervous now. If they're not gonna make it, boy, I don't know about me. You know, I'm starting to get nervous. You know, and and it's just that, like, my goodness, you start to feel I'm like, please don't have any more testimony services. I'm feeling depressed. <laughs> I mean, testimony service is supposed to make you feel good. You know what God did for you. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, I don't know about this. <laughs> Anybody heard any of those? If you've been around, <laughs> and you know, it's like. You know, there's like, oh, I just want to hear the gates click behind me when I step through those, you know, into heaven. I'm like, are you serious? I thought we were supposed to get a parade. I thought the angels were going to come out and rejoice or something like that. Wow, I thought at the rapture, if we don't die, I thought at the rapture, we're going to go with Jesus and we're coming in like with a parade. It's going to be triumphant. What is this barely make it in stuff? I, wow. That's not the way it is, people. And Satan will push you down so low he can just step over and put his foot on your neck and hold you down and laugh at you because we're so timid. We don't know what we have at our disposal. Man, we need to wise up. (laughs) We need to realize what we have, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Who are you? I'm a child of the living God. I'm the child of the God that spoke into nothing and created everything. And if I need something, he can speak into my nothingness and create whatever I need. Amen. And he's given us that ability. Amen. Do you believe it? Speak to yourself. Speak that creative power. That that Hebrew word is uh, bara, and it means to create. It means to declare, pronounce, declare, and create. That's what God did. He declared, he pronounced creation, and it, it happened. Hallelujah. And you know that's what he did to each one of us at salvation? He declared us to be righteous. He created us to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. He didn't work with our old creation, our old nature. He didn't just kind of make it over and say, well, I don't know. This is a pretty big remodel job we got here, you know. I guess we'll try to fix it up as best we can, you know. But I don't know how long it's going to last, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Now, some, you know, somebody else, oh, you know, this will be an easy job. You know, we'll fix them up. And, and then it's kind of like, you know, in the body of Christ, we look, yeah, well, I know he's saved, but I bet he just barely saved. <laughs> Not like Sister So-and-So now. You know, she, she really saved. You know, she really saved. When we get this thing, no, wait a minute. There's no difference in Christ. When he justified us, he declared us to be righteous. He didn't work with the old. He took, he went out of nothing. He created a new Tim Olaf. The old is gone, the new has come. Isn't that good? And he doesn't look at the old anymore. He doesn't look into the chaos, the nothingness that was there, that was existing before he created. He now looks at the creation and says, that's what I've created. And he sees each one of us as he sees his son, Jesus. Now I am 
in Christ. Christ is in me. And this was part of that revelation that the Apostle Paul started revealing to us that we didn't understand. Nobody knew about this. Justification? What? That means to be declared, created to be righteous? Not just, you know, like, well, if you do enough, and we'll check it out and see, you know, if your assets outweigh your liabilities, well, maybe we'll accept you. Some denominations teach that. That ain't right. God didn't look at that. He's not waiting. He's not having you try to fix your old self up. He, first of all, declared you to be, you're created to be new. That's what he did. When he looks down and sees us, he sees Jesus. And Jesus is standing there blocking out us. <laughs> Here, Father, that's who they are. See me? Oh, yeah, we're still cool. God, I'm, you know, God says, oh, yeah, we're still cool. Because he can't look on sin. So he sees us as full, mature sons of God. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff, huh? The problem is, is that we're not always like that in the natural See, our standing is, is that we are with him. We're seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. God, in his reckoning, he declared us to be righteous so that he could you know, see that, that, we're, that the old sin, the penalty for sin has been done away with. But our state, you know, how are we every day? Well, we keep forgetting that we are a new creation. Does that mean we're not saved? No, because God already created us to be righteous. I'm in a relationship with him. I'm a child of God. Amen? You know, sometimes, you know, your children, your natural children, sometimes they, they might not want to say that they're your child. They go out there and, you know, they want to do their own thing. I mean, my own identity, right? And, but are they still your child? Whatever they do, are they still going to be your child? Amen. You might, there might be times where you don't like what they're doing or whatever, but they're still your child. When they're young, you kind of have to discipline them, you know, let them know that you, you're mama, you, you're the daddy, you know, and, and that what they're supposed to do, right? God does the same thing. He has to chasten. He says he chastens those that he loves. I don't have to correct your child because I'm not your child's parent, right? You know, even though I love them. But yet, you're given a responsibility as a parent to discipline those that you love. God does that as well. So don't think you're going to, because all this grace stuff, you're going to get by with whatever you want to do. God's given you a freedom, but not to do what you want to do, but to do what you ought to do. He's given you the freedom, the power to do what you ought to do, not just what you want to do. Because we don't know what we want, right? Because we, we chill. We haven't discovered all that yet. We, we kind of know what we ought to do. We know if we shouldn't be doing something or not. And he's given to us the Holy Spirit to let us know, really. So... In this thing of his grace, it starts out with this first thing, his saving grace. And that shows the favor of God, God's favor that's extended to us, lost sinners. And, and it reveals to us this thing of that we are now in Christ and Christ is in us. At the spirit of Christ. In fact, he says, Paul says, if the spirit of Christ be not in you, then you're not of his. And so, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. The wages of sin is death. So at creation, when Adam sinned, there became death. He says, you'll surely die. If you eat of this tree, you'll surely die. We say, well, Adam didn't really die. That's what the devil, oh, yes, he did. Death is separation. And the worst death is eternal separation. And God says, that we die. If you sin today, 
you die. The wages of sin is still death. You are separated from God's blessings that would have come to you in that particular thing. You separate yourself to it. You die then to that. So it's still in effect, right? In a sense that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so then we have to come back in and ask for forgiveness. But God declares us to be righteous, and so we ought to live in that. We ought to walk in that, not walk in what we want to do. So the first thing is saving grace. And we find out that the Spirit of Christ is in us. And that's why we say, have you received Christ into your heart? And that's the faith. And I remember saying, and I ministered to kids, you know, teaching kids. And they're like, what? Jesus is going to come in here? You know, going to get into my heart? How's he going to do that? That's a little scary and it's freaky. But he comes into our spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. And when, uh, when Adam sinned, then God declared that to be all mankind, that sin was now upon all mankind, and all men had to die to that or, or pay the price for it, right? But nobody could pay the price for it. A God of righteousness, a just God, demands justice for that sin. Well, how does a just God, the Bible says that God is a just God, but it also says that God is a God of love. Well, how does a God of love satisfy this righteous demands of the law how did he do that how could he do it he can't go against his nature even though he loves you because there's some people oh you know god just loves everybody in the end everybody's gonna get saved even the devil's gonna make it uh-uh now what my bible says it said that there's a lake of fire for him he's gonna burn and he didn't create it for you but if you don't turn and receive christ you're gonna burn too it's where they get that old thing turn or burn <laughs> And so, when you receive Christ, your spirit is dead. You're separated from God. Your spirit is separated from God, right, as a sinner. But now then, if we receive him, where does he come? How, where do, where does he, what part of us does he come into? Into our spirit. And so, that's, he re, and then we're born again, is what Jesus told Nicodemus. What does that mean, born again? We are made alive. We are repowered regenerated and that's why the Bible talks about the doctrine of regeneration that where you were dead you know you say you have an engine it's dead you know if, if all the power went out in here we'd have, it would be dead but if we took a generator and we turned it on and cranked it up we would regenerate that power and the power to come through and hey everything would be light again right It'd come alive again well that's what he did Christ came in and he repowered us, regenerated us, brought us back to life. Our spirit that was separated from God. And so now then, we've been born again. I've been regenerated. I've been repowered. Uh, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So God, a God of love, satisfied that penalty for sin, the righteousness that he demanded through the person of Jesus Christ. Because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God didn't have to, but he came in himself through Jesus and satisfied the righteous requirements of the law that needed to be paid. And no man could live it. No man could do that. But Jesus did. And so he satisfied the righteous demands of a just and righteous God. And he satisfied the, the demands of a loving God by extending his love to all mankind through his son Jesus Christ. Praise God for His grace. Hallelujah. For by grace are you saved through faith. 
That's so amazing about God's favor. He even gives you a measure of faith to start out with. Wow! Amazing grace. He even gives us a measure of faith to believe. Wow, that's so amazing. So, so by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should. But it's not on ourselves, but it's on what he did. So in this fivefold revelation of grace that the Apostle Paul had, we saw saving grace, which we begin to see the favor of grace. And then we're going to look at liberating grace, where we'll see the freedom of grace. Then we'll see enabling grace and how it's the finesse of grace, how he puts everything together, just finely tunes everything and gets it just perfect together. Then we're going to see promising grace. Hallelujah. Going to talk about the feasibility of grace and, and what he's promised to us and, hey, what's, what's possible through living a life of, in the fullness of grace. There's a promise, amen, be called out of this thing, to be caught up and be, you know, when he comes, uh, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There's a promise, amen, hallelujah. And then we'll talk about the benefits of grace, the future of grace, ruling and reigning with Christ. Do we even understand that? Hallelujah. It's going to be good. Amen. It's going to be good. Well, justification. So we understand that it's by grace in Ephesians 2 8. For by grace you have been saved. We have been saved. Everybody say, I, I have been saved. How many of you in here have been saved? How many of you are still saved? <laughs> How many of you are going to be saved? Of course we are, right? Because God never turns back on that. that. He, repowered, he created you, and so that with nothing. He didn't look to see how good you were to create you. He didn't look to see how bad you were to see if it was possible. He didn't come up and give an estimate and say, well, I don't know. You know, this one's beyond hope. Yeah, I might work on this one. He didn't come up and give an estimate. He just says he wipes it away, and he declares us. He creates us to be righteous. In fact, there in Ephesians Verse 2, after verse 8, it goes in, it says, verse 9 says, Not of works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Created in Christ Jesus. Say, the old is gone. I'm new. Aren't you glad God didn't come down and look at you and say, Hmm, my, my, my. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Move that one on over. Anybody else out there? <laughs> I mean, hey, if he did that, I wouldn't be here today. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be here today. I'm pretty ornery. I mean, make sure there's no kids in here to hear this, but I've told you this story before. I, I went to a church camp and sitting at the back, over like on this side, Miss Sandy was sitting right beside me, and it's the first time I'd met her, and my best friend on the other side, and we had some smoke bombs, and so the guy, he was up there preaching and, and teaching. And so I said, I told Terry Jones, I said, man, I, I, I ought to just roll a smoke bomb right down there in front of him and see what he thinks about that. See if he thinks that's the Shekinah glory or something like that, you know. <laughs> he said, I'll light it if you throw it. And I said, I'll throw it if you light it. Reached across Miss Sandy, and they're true. 
lit that blue smoke bomb and rolled that sucker right down the aisle. Boom, 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 boom. He was standing right here and landed right in front of him. And you can see every place that smoke bomb hit, it blew out a blue stain. And Tommy Scott was standing there preaching, and it just, here came, it looked like the glory of God. <laughs> he just folded his Bible and walked off. I thought, whoa, what does that mean? He came back with uh, somebody else. And, you know, it's like you can tell where it came from. <laughs> you know, it just leads right back there. You know, that's pretty bad stuff. I mean, that's, not, that's the only thing I'm going to tell you. There's other stuff. But I'm just saying, <laughs> if God looked at that kind of, you know, if that's what he looked at, there would be no hope. There would be no hope. In fact, I remember later on I was associate pastor of Tommy Scott's church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this happened in Topeka, Kansas when I threw the smoke bomb. And one morning in a staff meeting, I was sitting there, and I just started laughing. He looked over at me because he thinks I'm pretty weird anyway. And so <laughs> And I said, uh, I just had this thought. I said, I had this visual picture of that smoke bomb riding down in front of your feet. And, and I said, uh, and he kind of looked like, yeah. And I said, did you ever think there was any hope for me, let alone that I'd ever be on a staff with you? And he go, no, not really. <laughs> and I thought right then, well, thank God that he doesn't look at that. Amen? Now, there might be some of your past that you can share, and there's a lot that you don't want to share. There's a lot of things I don't want to share. But God doesn't look at that. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he didn't come down and evaluate whether or not he was going to invest his time and his character and his love and his favor, his grace in you? I don't know. You got a pretty bad track record. I think I'm going to move you on by and get somebody a little, with a little better track record. Praise God he doesn't do that. Whosoever will may come. And God wipes away the old and he puts in the new, a new creation. And he puts Christ in us. The hope of glory is what it says. Christ in you. The hope, the expectation of glory, of his power, of his character, of his abundance, of his authority in us. Can you believe that? I can expect God's character now to be in me where it used to be my character, quite a character. But now I can expect God's character to be shown through me. Well, who is God? He's a creator God. He's a healing God. He's a declaring God. He's a loving God. All that character can come through me and you too. Praise God for his grace. Praise God for his grace. Hallelujah. So this justification, this thing, this big word, it's an act of God, not a process. It's an act where he declares you to be, to be righteous. He declares you to be righteous. He forgives you. He pronounces you. And he makes a new record, moves your old record away and creates a new record that nobody can change. You can't even change it. It's a new record in you. And he declares you to be righteous. That declaring means he creates you to be righteous. You're a new creation. Now, when old comes, now here's the thing about liberating grace. Let's move on forward now to the next one, liberating grace. Here's the thing. If God has created, you're a new creation, and the hope of glory, the expectation of his glory, his character, his power, his authority, his abundance is within you, you can expect that, then why don't you live like it? If that's who you are in Christ, and that's the way God sees you, then why don't we live like it? Why don't we make our walk come up even with our 
our, our, who we are in him. Hmm. How do we do that? We need his grace. Because I've been saved from the penalty and guilt of sin. But every day I face sin. I face the pressure and the power of sin that comes against me to tempt me to do what I used to do. And Satan will try to tell you, oh, you know, remember when? Well, yeah, I remember that. And he tells you how bad you were? Yeah, I remember. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Didn't God just say he created you a new creation? The old is gone. First, is it 2 Corinthians 5, 17? The old is gone. Behold, all things become new. Why isn't it becoming new? Let the old go. Oh, but you know, and here Satan comes and he comes to tempt you. And he brings all that old stuff back to you that you used to do. He tries to get you to ensnare you and to bring you back into bondage again. You know, we've crossed over into the promised land, so to speak. But Satan wants to drag you back into, you know, into bondage. He wants to take another lap around that mountain. You know, he wants to put you back in the wilderness. Wait a minute. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Then why in the world would you want to go back to that? It doesn't make sense, does it? But we don't think about that. We just start, and here we go, and we are lulled back in. But wait a minute. I need grace. Grace is not just that warm, fuzzy thing that saves me. Grace is that desire and power to do God's will. So I come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain that mercy that I need and to find grace to help me in my time of need. When you're being tempted, is that a time of need? Absolutely. Do you need some help? Absolutely. Sometimes Your old friends won't help you. Because they, they're mad that you're doing better than they are. They want to pull you back down. Because it makes them look bad. Right? And, the, and you lose all your old friends because now you're not drugging with them or, you know, or doing what you used to do with them, all that stuff. And so, you know, they won't help you. So you need some help in this time of need. Where do you go? That old song, I go to the rock. <laughs> you know, when, when, you need, when you need a... Uh, a friend, when you need a help, you go to the rock, Christ Jesus, amen? On that solid rock, I'm going to stand. I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. So you say, wait a minute, that's not me. That's not me anymore. I don't do that anymore. And so then you begin to live in that new life. Christ in you is the hope of glory, the expectation of his glory. So you walk in the newness of life. Walk in who Christ is. Who is he? We used to wear those bracelets, WWJD, and see all the stickers and stuff. And that's what we need to do. Ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, he sure wouldn't go back and do that. Right? What would he do? And so that's what we do. And we walk then in the newness of life. Wow, Paul talks about this. I'm going to tell you something. The chapter in the Bible that literally set me free was Romans chapter 6. Why don't you turn over there? Because, see, I got to thinking... How could I ever make it? How could I ever make it? Even, you know, even though, you know, Jesus, you know, God loved me and, and I'm saved, but how could I ever make it? You know, I could never be as good as so-and-so. I could never do like brother so-and-so or this or that. I can never make that, you know. And so, you know, maybe I'm not saved. Because if I was really saved... Is what the devil starts telling you. If you really save, you wouldn't be having those thoughts. 
If you were really saved, you would be thinking about even doing something like that. You must not be saved. That's what the devil comes and lies to you. Wait a minute. Did God declare that you were saved? If God declares something, then he means it, right? What can change it? Nothing can change it. Nothing can change it. Why are you going to listen to the lying devil when everything he says is a lie? And he comes up and tells you, well, if you were really saved, you wouldn't even be thinking that. You wouldn't be acting like that. You wouldn't be doing this. You wouldn't be doing it. So you're probably not even really saved. Right? Sure. That's why, you know, sometimes people come to church and will ask, you know, are you are you sure you're going to heaven? If you're sure, you know, you have no, no question, raise your hand. Some people don't know, and, and maybe they'll raise their hand for salvation four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Why? Do, you know, do I say, oh, well, my goodness. No, I don't, because I want them to know for sure. You know why? Because the devil's standing right there in their ear telling them that they're not. It's because we struggle with this. If you've never struggled with that, then maybe you're not saved. <laughs> Because it feels like that, you know, Satan's trying to drag you back and saying, you know, and just to tell you how bad you are. And that you shouldn't even be thinking that or whatever. And so there's a struggle there. And so I thought, my goodness, I don't even know. And I read Romans chapter 6 that a man that wrote over half of the New Testament wrote. And I got a little encouraged. I thought, if this man is feeling this way, well then, hey... Maybe, I, maybe I'm not so crazy. Maybe, I, you know, maybe it's kind of normal. Look at Romans chapter 6. It starts out in verse 1 where Paul's getting this opposition from people saying, oh, well, you believe that, that grace stuff that if God declares you to be righteous, then you can just do whatever you want it to do. So, grace, so his grace looks so good. Paul said, that's crazy. He says, shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? You hear that? He said, I'm dead to sin. So he says, shall we continue in sin? And in the NIV it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. When Jesus died on that cross, God looked down and all of the sin of the world was upon him. That's when Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? He thought that God had forsaken him, but God couldn't look on sin. He had to turn his head away because all of sin, your sin, my sin, everybody's sin, was put upon Jesus, upon that cross. He died for sin, for sin. I mean, sin, all of sin. He died to sin, and it says once, so that we might live. And so the way that God sees us, then when Jesus died, when he was nailed to that cross, my old sinful nature was nailed to that cross with him. Your sinful nature was nailed to that cross with him. And so what Paul goes on to say here, we'll read it in a minute, he says, so if that's the case, then you've got to count that to be done. The King James says, reckon it to be done. Paul was a Texan, you know that. I reckon, I reckon so. You've got to reckon it to be done. Count yourselves to be dead to sin so that you don't live in it any longer. How do you get away from sin? First of all, I'm dead to it. And Paul says, you know, if you, if you die, you're free. There's another place he talks about in chapter 7 when he starts out the whole first part of chapter 7. He says, you know, if a man's married to a woman and he dies, she's free then from him. 
She's not, yeah, he's free from the laws of man because he's dead, so she's not married to him any longer. Well, so that's the same thing. If we died to our old nature, our old man says, is your old man dead? She says, well, not yet, but he's almost dead. No. <laughs> no, we died to our old man, our old sinful nature. Is, we're dead to that. So if we're dead to it, then we're free from it, right? If it died, I'm free from that. I'm not, I'm not tied to that anymore. That's what Paul goes on to say. So then we live in that. So he goes on to say, verse 2, By no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, see, God, when we accept Christ, when we receive him, and his spirit comes in and our spirit is made alive. Now, we're born again, we're repowered, we're regenerated. Then God immerses us, he baptizes us, immerses us into, now, the body of Christ. We're in Christ, a new creation. The old is gone. All things become new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So he says if we've been baptized or immersed into the body of Christ, you know, then that's, that's showing we died then to that. So it shows his death uh, is what he's saying. Now, when we have baptismal service and we want to have a baptismal service, we just got to get a baptismal. So pray for us to get some. We might have to get a hog trough. Would that be okay? That probably matched most of us pretty good, hog trough. <laughs> we used to use swimming pools, you know. That's worked out really good. But so at baptism, when you... Go down into the water, that shows that you're dying with Christ. You're being buried with him. When you come up, you're showing, but wait a minute, I didn't stay dead. Just as Jesus didn't stay dead, he rose in a newness of life. I'm rising up also in a newness of life to walk a new life, not to walk an old life. And that's a testimony. Everybody that saw that, it was a public testimony. It was an outward expression of an inward work. I died with Christ. Now I'm rising up in a newness of life. You watch my life. I'm going to walk a new life. My old man, my old nature is dead. That's not me anymore. I died. And so it was a public statement of saying, I died to that person. That's not me anymore. I'm rising up. Now I'm a new person. So he says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We can live a new life. When I was associate pastor, Sandy and I was on staff at Beams of Light in Tulsa with Brother Scott. We all shared pastoral duties, and I got a call that a lady was about to commit suicide. It was a, and we were singles directors at that time. Uh, we had the yes group, young, exciting singles. Anyway, so they called us to go and minister to this lady. She was about to commit suicide. So we go down there, and I don't know, we're talking to Sandy's talking to her. And I said, so you want to die, right? And she goes, yeah. I said, okay, let us help you. Boy, that got a response. Not only from her, but from Sandy, too. Like, what are you, what? <laughs> Dr. Kevorkian, we don't hear about him. Did he die? I guess he died. He used to be the one to help everybody die, you know. Anyway, so I said, well, we can help you. She was like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to do that right now or not, you know. Yeah, we're going to help you. Because you don't, you don't like your life? No. And all this has been going, oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's horrible. You don't like it, right? It's horrible. Terrible. You don't want that anymore. You just wish you could just start all over new, you know. I said, okay, we can help you with this. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to reach in a pocket. She would have been thought of <laughs> getting something. And I said, the Bible says that we can die to our old self and we can be 
born again. We can walk in a newness of life. And I began to just express to her about uh, justification and declaring to be righteous and walking in newness of life. And it's like, really? Yeah, you can do that. You know, Satan wants to take you out, kill, steal, and destroy. But God's got a whole lot better way. You just count yourself to be dead. He already sees you to be dead on the cross anyway. All you got to do is count that done. Now they say, I got a new life. I got a new life. I mean, how many of you want a new life? Amen. You don't want to go back to the way it used to be. Amen. Remember that? You used to think, okay, I've worked real hard all week. Now I'm going to go out and celebrate on the weekend. On Saturday night, because it's Saturday night, I deserve to go out and, and just get plastered. Go clubbing. I'm going to party up. And, you know, before you know it, you're gripping hold of some porcelain with your head in a place that a head wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> That's why they call, in the Navy they call it the head. <laughs> but no, that's not where your head's supposed to be. I mean, you know, and, and really? You paid to do that? <laughs> Isn't that stupid? And you wake up feeling worse than you did. You know, you got to have all day Sunday just to try to recuperate, to go to work on Monday. And then you feel horrible Monday. That's why everybody hates Mondays. Because they, they mess themselves up so bad on the weekend. Because we were free, right? <laughs> Wait a minute, free? <laughs> was that really, was that free? Oh, no. And you feel like that? How many of you say, man, I did some stupid things in my life. Man, I did some stupid things. I can't believe I did that. Of course, and you want to go back to that? I don't think so. And so you can just take all that and just say, you know what? I messed up. Boom. And it's better than a video game. You got a new life. <laughs> you know, you can go to new levels now. <laughs> You can go ahead and rack up all these points. Why? Because we're going to heaven. We're not going to hell. We've got a new life. And that's what Paul says. He says that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. We too may live a new life. Verse 5, he says, If we have been united with him like this in his death, if we've been united with him on the cross, if we died, if we see ourselves as dying with him on the cross, uniting ourselves, identifying with him, you see, baptism is the doctrine of identification. God identifies each one of us with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. We need to identify ourselves with Jesus, right? Identify ourselves that we died with him, but he didn't stay dead. I've been to the tomb there in Israel. I've been to the tomb, and it's empty. We've been to China. We've been to foreign countries where all these other, you know, we've been in India. I want to tell you, Buddha is still dead. He's in Buddha's tomb. You know, Hare Krishna, he's dead. All these people, they're dead. All those other gods are dead. In China, you know, that's why they're, they, you know, they don't believe in God because all these emperors that said they were God, they died. And they said, oh, well, they were just a man. So they don't, they don't believe in God anymore because a man said he was God and he died and he's still in that tomb. I want to tell you something. Just like I told that guy in China when we were there, I said, but our God is not there. He's not in a tomb. He rose. Jesus rose. So he didn't stay dead, and you don't stay dead. Don't live in your trespasses and sin, but be alive unto God. And Paul says, if we've been united with him like this in his death, verse 5, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection when he rose in a newness of life. And also in the resurrection for all eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. That's some promising grace right there too. Verse 6. Here it is. Look at this. 
For we know that our old self was crucified. Do you? Do you? Do you really? When I first read that, how does it say it in the, in the King James there? Is that, uh, how does it, anybody have a King James? What's a new, or in? Knowing this. I thought, do I know that? Knowing this, that our old man is, hmm, do I really know that? That our old man was crucified with him? I thought, wait a minute, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Nobody had ever told me that. Nobody ever told me that my old man, not my dad, but me, this old sinful nature. Nobody ever told me that my old nature was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Wait a minute, you mean the body of sin's been done away with? God sees it as being done away with? The problem was I wasn't seeing it as being done away with. Because I kept thinking, oh, man. Yeah, well, you know, my grandmother, she's Scotch-Irish, and i got a temper like my grandmother has a temper because that's just the way it is. That's, you know, that's what, ethnicity. That's what it is, you know. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm dead to that. I don't have to have that temper anymore. Amen? I told you about some of that. That time when I jumped out of the car and started running down through some apartments and chased those four guys off that was throwing stuff in my car, and I thought, I mean, I just flashed. Anybody ever do that? Just flash and then all of a sudden you think oh wait a minute what am I doing <laughs> that probably isn't smart <laughs> yeah, I'm by myself down here in the back alley of some place chasing four guys that were and I left my bride out there in my car with the doors open and the car running somebody could steal my car and and uh Sandy couldn't do anything about it <laughs> I mean you know stupid things so I don't have to have that type of temper anymore amen now, I can have righteous indignation, the same thing that Jesus did when he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't think he said, get behind me, Satan. I think he said, I think he turns and said, get behind me, Satan. I bet old Peter's like, <laughs> I bet it staggered him, shook him up. So he says here in verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. The body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Whatever you've been fighting from your old nature, from that part of you that's, you know, your past, whatever you've been fighting, you're dead to that thing. You're dead to it. God sees that you are dead to it. You've been freed from it. And he says in verse 7, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Would you agree? Do you know anybody that died that has, has, that's dead right now that's still living in sin like they used to. They're in the, you know, if they're a believer, they're in heaven right now. You know, but that body is in in the grave. It's not out there hitting the bars or you know running around doing whatever. No, huh? It's dead, dead to sin. You you got to say I'm dead to sin, and you might have to say I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. But then you need to get off and say, I'm alive to God. And get your mind in the start of thinking about, I'm alive unto God. And what do I do if I'm alive unto God? What does my new nature say? Who is Christ in me? He's the hope of glory. He's the expectation. I have the expectation of his glory, his character. He wouldn't do that. So because I love him and he loved me and he set me free from this, I don't do that anymore. That's called sanctification. 
if you want a big doctrinal term here, that's the doctrine of sanctification. Now, justification, you've been declared to be righteous. It's an act. It's not a process. But sanctification is a process. Whereby I become more and more like Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. I'm walking in a newness of life. Today I'm going to walk in the newness of life. You know, and I'm pulling away from this. And I'm going to walk in a greater newness of life. And a newness of life. And more and more and more. Do I ever get rid of that old nature? No. It's still there. Paul said the flesh battles against the spirit and the spirit battles against the flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am. One that's wore out after being struggling. Who shall deliver me from this? He said, thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Man, every day. Paul said, I die daily. When I read that, I thought, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And sometimes it's four or five times a day. 30 or 40 times a day. 50 or 60 times a day. I mean, I'm dying to myself. No, that's not me. I don't live. That's not me. That, that part of me is dead. I'm alive unto God. Amen. Anybody real in here? Anybody want to get real in here? And that's how you do it. You walk away from that thing. And I'm walking further and further away. And you know what? If I ever turn and go back, you know what? It's easy to fall. They talk about addicts that, you know, they had a certain maybe level of drug that they were taking, and they, they get away from that. They get sober, and they, you know, go on maybe for a long time, but then maybe they fall, and they go back to it. And sometimes they think they go back to the level or the degree of what they, where they were, and they overdose. You know, bam, it hits them. They turn around. I'll tell you something. Be careful. Be careful. Amen. Be careful. Satan wants to knock you out. I've seen people that, you know, have walked in the Lord and, and just be wonderful saints in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe they think, hey, you know, I'm away from this thing. But all of a sudden, they start to get such a, a bitter spirit or something or, or and envy and strife and causing division. It's like, what? What's, where's that coming from? you got to watch it. It might not be falling back into all that stuff they used to do, but you fall, that sin nature, it's going to produce something in you. So every day I want to rise up and say, I'm walking in the newness of life today, in a new life. I'm walking in Christ Jesus today. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I don't even have the right to do what I want because I'm not my own anymore. I've been bought with a price. Now then, I am his, and I give myself to you afresh and anew. I'm not getting saved again. What I'm doing is I'm sanctifying. I'm setting myself apart. I'm sanctifying myself, setting, setting myself apart for him that he can work in me and work through me. Are you following that? People get sanctification mixed up with salvation, and they think, oh, i got to get saved today because, man, I, oh, man, I blew it. No, what you need to do is you need to set yourself apart from the old nature and become more like Christ. Are you following me? Because that's who I am. He declared me to be right. He created me to be righteous. Now I need to set myself apart in that righteousness and walk in a newness of life. And Paul says that in verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. That doesn't mean for eternity. I mean it does mean for eternity, but it means every day. That we'll live with him every day. Are you living with him every day? Is he walking beside you 
talking to him? Are you having a, a relationship? And not only a relationship that you're saved, but fellowship, that he's your friend, that he can, you can take him anywhere you go. That whatever you say, you, he can listen in and it'll be okay. Whatever you watch, he can watch. Hello? Whatever you do, it's okay for him to be there. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Everybody say once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And we ought to live to God. And here it is, verse 11. In the same way. In the same way. Start out verse 6. Do you know that you were crucified with him? That your old sin nature died with him on the cross? And now then you're to rise up in newness of life? Now he says, in the same way, count yourselves. King James says, reckon. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and now you are in Christ. I want to tell you something. That's a revelation of grace that Paul begin to express to the church, Christ is in you, the hope of glory, but you are also in Christ. And you're in Him, a new creation. Now live like it. Make it real. What God declared, make it real here where you live. Not always easy. That's why we can come boldly to the throne of grace. But Satan will lie to you and tell you how bad you are, how you know you don't deserve anything from God, and you won't even come to his throne because you're afraid he's going to slap you into whatever. But we come to him boldly and obtain mercy. Father, I fell. I gave in. And man, you feel bad. But it's not about feeling. It's coming before the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Father, forgive me. Where I fell. I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. Now I receive your grace to help me in this time of need. And then receive it. Problem with, with forgiveness is, is we don't receive it. You know, people say, well, if you're saved, you won't sin anymore. Oh, really? John said, in 1 John says, he that says he has no sin lies and deceives himself. You think sin isn't in, your, in you? Iniquity is self-willfulness. That's doing your own will. Let me tell you something. You can be saved a long time and still fall back into doing your own will. And you can get so spiritual that Satan, even a, a, a religious spirit come in you know, slapping you around, and you think that your will is God's will instead of God's will being your will. That's why we surrender. That's why Jesus told us when he was telling us how to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You ought to pray that prayer every day, not as a religious thing of thinking you're getting saved, but you ought to pray it and listen to it and what you're praying and remind yourself that you need to forgive others before they get a chance to offend you. Forgive them and walk in forgiveness and, forget and receive forgiveness for yourself. And then set yourself apart. That you are, your mission for this day is bringing about the kingdom of God where he rules and reigns. Because if we're ruling and reigning with him, man, when I step into a hospital, I say, oh, wait a minute. Now this hospital belongs to the kingdom of God. Every, every doctor, every nurse in here is working for Jesus. 
They're under his direction, under his control. In 1945, a B-25 bomber, well, it was a bomber, but it had been changed into a personnel plane, flew into the Empire State Building. It, you know, 9-11, they crashed into the trade, the Twin Towers. They were all glass, but the Empire State Building is steel and brick, buddy. <laughs> it busted a 20-foot hole in it, but it didn't knock it down. Killed three people in there. One lady was in an elevator shaft, and... Uh, it hurt her. They fixed her all up, put her back in another elevator, and said, go down to the lobby 70, feet, 70 floors below. And the cable broke, and she fell 70, feet, uh, 70 floors and lived. Anyway, that's a cool story. You need to read about that. But anyway, uh, along that line, in that subway there, where they built the subway, right over there by the Empire State Building and stuff, well, there was a place where they had made this dock of where they could load stuff onto the subway trains. And uh, President Roosevelt used it because he was in a wheelchair. He didn't want everybody to see he was in a wheelchair, so he used it to get on the train. And so there was this elevator that went all the way down to the basement, and it was a clear shot there. And so uh, nobody really knew about it. They kind of kept it secret so that president could use it. Well, when George W. Bush was president, he was making a speech in that hotel that was right there by the Empire State Building where the lady fell 70 floors. But anyway, and so he was making a speech there, and the... Uh, Main guy for the subway was inspecting the subways. I mean, he's, he's it. He is the man. And he had to make a subway inspection. And he comes right by that secret place where they go all the way down to get on the dock to that special hidden tracks down there. And the Secret Service is down there patrolling because the president's up above. They're, they're watching everything. Not only snipers on the roof, but they're down there. And so they come up and they stop them. And here's, I'll say, the CEO of the subway and they said, no, you can't come here. And the guy that was with him said, hey, he's the head of the subway. He says, not today. <laughs> not today he ain't because the president's there. We're taking, this, we're taking this part of the subway for the president, okay? Let me tell you something. Wherever you are, you occupy it. And if Satan might have been the king of it that day, but not today he ain't because I'm here. Jesus is here. Where you go, Jesus goes with you. And wherever you set the, the sole of your feet, that becomes the kingdom of God. And so we're to go and bring about the kingdom of God every day. And it doesn't matter what Satan's done or what's happened there. But not today it ain't. Well, people always die of this. Not today they're not dying of this. Because now we've already brought this into the kingdom of God. I step on an airplane. All of a sudden, just like when the president steps on whatever airplane he's on, they got two Air Force Ones, but if he would have stepped on a, they just go out and take an airplane, that becomes Air Force One because that's where the president is. When you step on an airplane, that becomes Heaven One. <laughs> that's the kingdom of God. That's, a, that's the airplane for the kingdom. Step on there. All right. Y'all pilots, thank y'all for serving me today. I don't really say that, but that's what I think. You know, everybody on there, they're serving Jesus, and I am his representative. I'm his ambassador. Never had a problem yet. Had a couple of hydraulic leaks. A little scary, but I had to pray through that. But <laughs> that belongs to Jesus. So how can you advance the kingdom when you're living in sin? That's why you've got to count yourself to be dead to sin, but be alive unto God because we've got a job to do. We've got to advance the kingdom of God. And we've got to express and let the grace of God, His favor, His influence flow out of us, through us, to whoever we come in contact with. That the glory of God, His abundance, His power, His authority, His wealth, His character can be seen through you. Let's pray. 
I could preach all day. <laughs> but I'm going to give a little grace <laughs> this morning and a lot of mercy and, and <laughs> we'll shut this down. Amen. But we're going to talk about this because people, we got to get this. We got to get this. The devil will cheat you out of miracles. He'll cheat you out of victory in your life. He'll try to keep you down here where you, but we're not staying there. We're going on. Amen. We got the best message on the face of the earth. When people hear about the grace message, it sets them free. There's people that think they're so frustrated because they, they're afraid they can't stay saved today. That's horrible. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I don't have to worry about that. I used to be so afraid. and all I never really ran any race. I didn't run a race for Christ. I was just trying to stay saved. And I was having a hard time doing that because I didn't understand it. But when I realized that, wait a minute, God declared me to be righteous when I receive His Son, Jesus. When I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm saved. I've been created righteous. I've got a new record. Nobody can change that record, not even me. I can walk out of fellowship with God, but I'm still His child, and He will chasten me. I've been whooped. I've been whooped. You know, a whooping is a lot worse than a whipping. And I've had some whoopings from God, and they ain't good because I was going my way. He yanked my chain. I said, no, you're going this way. No, I got to pray because, I, man, we could just, like I said, we got to just keep on preaching. Are the Cowboys playing at noon today? They are? Texans aren't, so I'm not too worried about it. But. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear that. By God's mercy and his grace, I didn't hear that. <laughs> I, I didn't. I really didn't. <laughs> well, let's pray. Praise God. I tell you what, it's been a good service today. God showed up today. Amen. God of miracles come down. And when we started singing that, wow. You know, I could just see him building his throne. It says he inhabits the praise of his people. God of miracles come down. You know, he just is waiting for us to invite him. He won't push us. He won't impose himself upon us. He won't make us do anything. But man, when we recognize him and we love him, we say, oh, I want you in my presence. That's like a little child coming up. Said, Daddy, come on. Can I be with you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. God of miracles come down. I just saw him build his throne here today. I hope that there's some things in this message that set you free. Maybe you're saying, well, you know, I don't have no, I'm already over all my addictions and all that stuff. And watch out. Watch out. When you're thinking you're all that. Satan will walk up and slap you on the blind side. So when I think that I'm doing fine, that's when I need to hit my knees at the throne of grace. Say, Lord, I need your mercy because I'm getting a big head here. I think I'm just living so right with you. Lord, I want to humble myself and come back and realize that I'm nothing without you. There's so much more of your unsearchable riches that I need to explore. And I haven't even tapped into any of them. Your love is so amazing. 
I just want to experience it and I want your love to shine through me. Lord, I want to walk in a newness of life today. I don't want to be like I was yesterday. No wonder that the Christian life is so boring to a lot of people because they're just living on yesterday's stuff. Man, there's new manna every day. <laughs> Sometimes we get so bored with manna, but we, we forget that it's a miracle that's even being produced. If you're here today and you're not sure that you have a relationship with God, you are not You've never received his love gift of Jesus so that he could declare you to be righteous. If, if you've never done that, we want to pray with you right now. You're living way below your privileges. you got too much to win to lose. So if you're not a child of God today, if you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, just raise your hand wherever you are. If you're not sure, I don't care if you raise your hand a hundred times. I don't care if you've been in church all your life. You know, if you've been, if you're not certain that you're a Christian, it's all been for nothing. You need to know that you know that you know that you're a child of God. That when Christ died, you died with him. And that you're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. Anybody here today, you're not sure? Amen. Looks like we're all Christians. Wow, Lord help us. What a mess. What a mess. Right? Yeah, really. I mean, if we look at ourselves, what a mess. But for the grace of God, you've heard that, but for the grace of God, there go I. Are you glad for His grace? Some of you that's really had a, had a life of sin, you really appreciate it. You really appreciate it. But let me tell you something. Today, count yourselves to be dead with Christ on the cross. That old sinful nature died with Christ on the cross you might not be drinking or drugging or you know running around lust might not be ruling in your life but it could be envy and strife division, backbiting gossip whatever so count yourselves to be dead to, to sin sanctify yourself today the liberating grace sets you free from that and say I'm free not to do what I want but to do what I ought to do I'm free to live that life that he has for me if you're not experiencing the full riches of Jesus Christ then be free you're free to do that you're free to do that and just say right now to the Lord I'm going to live and a newness of life. I'm going to begin to walk in that newness of life. I'm going to walk in your glory, in your abundance, in your authority, in your power, in your wealth, in your character, in your character. Christ in me, the hope, the expectation of glory. Father, right now, we do that at your throne of grace. We're not timid. We're not going to let the devil tell us how bad we are we're going to thank you for how good you have created us we're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus the old has passed away and all things become new we're not going to walk in the old things of life we're going to walk in the newness of life and we set ourselves apart right now to walk in that newness of life Lord Jesus forgive us for where we missed it 
where we've gone our own way, where we've fallen short, forgive us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your favor that we are heirs and joint heirs with you. Thank you for your power to do your will. You even give us the power to do your will. You give us the desire to do your will. Restore that desire. David said, create in me a new heart, a right spirit. Create in me. You've created us to be righteous. Now we're saying, Father, help us. Give us the power to walk in that thing. I've been saved from the penalty and guilt of sin, and I am being saved every day from the very power of sin that would try to pull me back into my old self. Thank you for salvation that is past, present, and future. I'm being delivered, set free every day from the power of sin that would try to hold me in its grips by considering myself, reckoning myself, counting myself to be dead to sin but alive to God. Do that right now. Do it right now. you got a newness of life. It ought to feel good. It ought to feel really good. Let me tell you, you can live that every day, every minute. Do it. Set yourself apart. Sanctified. Amen. Sanctified. That's what it's really about. Being set apart. I've been saved. Now I'm setting myself. I'm being saved today because I'm walking in it. I'm making it real in my life. I'm living like a, a person that's, that's saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Thank you for your grace. Amen. Father, I thank you for your blessings, your goodness, for your favor. Father, it rests upon us. You have, you have extended it to us. Now, Father, it's real. We're, we're calling it into existence. What you have extended, we're making it real. Your favor rests upon us. We're going to walk in your favor and your favors right now. We're going to walk in your grace. It's coming into our life. Goodness and mercy follows us. Blessings overtake us. We are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Father, we are heirs and joint heirs with you. We're going to live like it and we're going to see it come into existence in our life because we're not separated from your blessings. And we thank you for it, Father. Bless your people today, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Hug somebody.